Greetings, Internet. I'm John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, we've only got one thing to talk about, and that's Avengers Endgame. So without further ado, let's get started. I'm going to split this up into two parts, since this is the only review I'll be doing for this episode. Uh, the first one is going to be the rev- the uh, spoiler-free, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the movie yet, and doesn't want to be spoiled on the on the more detail-oriented stuff. Uh, and then the second part, I'll get into full-on spoiler territory, including a lot of the stuff that uh, goes in around uh, this uh, movie, and, you know, stuff that's supposed to come after it. So, um... Yeah, so this first part is going to be the spoiler-free section. In that case, I will say, uh, yeah, it is a sort of like a an end. It is it's sort of like an end cap for the first three phases of Marvel's cinematic universe. For the whole uh, Thanos storyline that they've been building up to, this is that final chapter of that section of the Marvel cinematic universe, and. It def- it's a, it's, a, it's essentially a three-hour tribute to everything that's come before it. Uh, I will say I was struggling with how, what to rate this at first because it wasn't what I expected going in. It definitely wasn't that. So I had to see it a second time, which is something I don't usually do for uh, new releases. And upon second time, I kind of settled on my re- my review, which is... It is a, it's a full five out of five stars, personally. I, I just can't give it anything less. Um, I was thinking of four and a half out of five, but I think I finally settled on five out of five. Um, I will say the first half kind of drags. Uh, the plot is a little convoluted, but I think what it comes down to is the climax is worth the price of admission. The climax delivers on everything you could have wanted from this movie, I think. And I will say it's it's convoluted as the plot is. It didn't it never took away from the movie. So I th- I think it's just a matter of um yeah, it's just a matter of accepting the plot for what it is and then then for the and like for the most part everything is taken care of. And, you know, there aren't a lot of stuff left unanswered i'll say that and then um definitely raises some interesting questions about what's to come next but for what it's worth i i do think um if you've been following the marvel movies up to this point this is for you specifically this is not you know it's it's like people's you know people saying well if i haven't seen any of the other well then it's not for you this is for people who watched this is like that's like going into harry potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, and saying, "Well, I didn't watch any of the other Harry Potter movies. How am I supposed to?" Well, it wasn't the point. The point is to coalesce the series, not to cater to new co- newcomers. This isn't uh, like if we're, Captain Marvel, the Black Panther, even Infinity War to an extent. 
Not even, not really. I think the Avengers movies have all kind of coalesced around the overarching story, but the solo films are all pretty easy to enjoy on their own. But these Avengers movies have essentially been uh, serials, for the most part, movie serials that you go to the theater to see and you catch up on the overarching story. And you can't, it's like, I can't take you seriously if you're like, well, I have, I should, I should be able to go in and see it, you know, without seeing any of the other movies. Well, no, that wasn't the intention. That's not the intention of these movies. Even the event, even the first Avengers was a culmination of the other movies that came before it. The Avengers movies have been the collection of the storylines. It's been the collection of all the storylines leading up to that point. And to... And to say that you were owed a, a a bubble experience, a an experience that's just, uh, you know, that you can ex, ex, you know experience that is guaranteed to you, having seen none of the other ones, that's never been what the Avengers has been about. So yeah, this is for people who have been catching up on the series, and it's essentially for the fans. And if that's a high bar of entry for you, I'm sorry, but. You know, then you can always catch up on the other stuff. You know, you can watch this. You can watch plenty of the other solo movies, having seen none of the other ones sight on none of the other Marvel movies sight unseen. You know, having experienced none of the other Marvel movies, the solo films are the points of entry. The Avengers movies have always been the coalescing point of all these storylines coming together. That's what they've always been from the beginning. And here, I think it's a great. It's a great sort of tribute to everything that's happened up to this point and uh, an interesting way to set up what's to come. So uh, that's all I'll say about that. I'm not going to spoil what happens exactly, but I will say that for the Russos, uh, the Russos have been talking about taking a break and they have earned it with the culmination of all of this. I will say this, though. I kind of prefer Infinity War to Endgame. But I will say, Endgame. It, if you combine Endgame with Infinity War, it's like a two part, two parts to the same movie. It's like a sort of five, five and a half hour movie, the way that like a one of those Lord of the Rings. Like if you combine all three of the Lord of the Rings films into one movie, yeah. I if you do that, I think if you can, if you think of End, Infinity War and Endgame as one movie, then you have the the best movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, period. But yeah, uh, I think that's all I'll say for non-spoiler stuff. Highly recommend, uh, but then I'm also a fanboy, so uh, your experience may vary. But personally, I absolutely loved it. Now let's get into the reasons. So, this is your warning. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! This is your last chance, boys and girls, because a vast Darby spoilers ahead! Alright, so this is your final warning. If you want to skip ahead to uh, the discussion point, then this is your chance. So, here we go. Let's get the big stuff out of the way. Uh, Tony is the one who dies, and it's a... And it's apparent, and it also kind of ties into uh, a line dropped from Avengers. Um, actually, there were two things that uh, tie back into lines dropped in Avengers, which is a nice touch. Um, basically, um, was someone shared this meme going around on Reddit, uh, 
that uh, that the lines during uh, Cap and Tony's argument, you know, where he's like, "You're not the one that Cap's like, you're not the one that make a sacrifice play," and and Tony's like, "Everything special about you came out of a bottle." And then that's where we, and in this movie, it's a nice little, it's, it's a small callback to those lines. It's not like blatantly calling back to them the way that, uh, uh, there's lines dropped that like, like Tony drops, I am Iron Man. Um, uh, uh, God, what's another one there? But basically call, you know, even calls back, you know, there's a line drop where, uh, Thor says, I went for the head in reference to the end of Infinity War. Uh, but these are, like, nice little Easter eggs that people noticed that I didn't upon first, first because I didn't, I haven't seen Avengers in about, in about a year, so I don't I remember the line off the top of my head. But yeah, uh, Tony does, in fact, make the sacrifice play, and Cap wields Mjolnir. There's a point in the, t- basically the plot here is time travel. Uh, five years after, they, they, Thanos destroyed the Infinity Stones in the uh, following the events of Infinity War, and it cuts to five years in the future, where where um, Scott Lang escapes from the quantum realm, and he comes up with an idea. He had come up with an idea for a time, and once he finds out about everything that's happened in the real world up to that point, he has come up with an idea for a time heist, basically. It, it, the fact that's what it's called a time heist where they go back in time and and uh steal the infinity stones from points in time where they used to be and so they and so like they steal they go back to the battle of new york in 2012 uh they go to the beginning of guardians of the galaxy for the power stone in 2014 and they go back to um, Asgard in 2013 for the for the Reality Stone, which is in the form of the Ether, and and uh, so they and the plot and the plan is to steal the stones from those points in time, and then um, and then uh, return them immediately afterwards, so that they it's like it's like they never left, and. Uh, and it's a lot of sort of catching up and stuff. Like Thor talks to his mom after um, after they had failed the first time. Thor became a, dr- a, a drunk and like visibly out of shape, beer belly Thor. Um, it's kind of like a running joke in this whole movie. And then after he talks, he after he he and uh, Rocket go to Asgard in 2013 to get the ether. Uh, he has a talk with his mom, who kind of re re you know reinvigorates him and his and a sense of purpose she you know kind of reminds him that just because he failed doesn't mean he's a failure everybody fails even the god of thunder and uh it's there that he grabs mjolnir and uh and and you know in a sort of a sort of test of like is is he after since mjolnir was gone in his timeline it was his chance to see whether or not he is still worthy to be the god of thunder, and that's and he brings that along, and he du- first he dual wields Mjolnir with Stormbreaker in the fight against Thanos, and then in one of the most hype moments in the in the entire MCU, we uh, he, Thanos is trying to kill Thor with Stormbreaker, and he gets sw- smacked 
in the back of the head with Mjolnir, and you're like, where, where, who, did Thor summon Mjolnir? Like, what was that? And then, next thing you see, Cap dual-wielding his shield and Mjolnir, and, and, like, even Thor's like, I knew it! <laughs> and, yes, this is from the comics, Cap was considered worthy enough to wield Mjolnir, and so we get an awesome, and so for the rest of the fight, Cap wields Mjolnir in the fight against Thanos and his minions. It's awesome. And it's amazing. And that ties into everything everything, everything special about you came from a bottle. Um, well, if that was true, then how is he wielding, you know, the, the, you know, the hammer of Thor? <laughs> so the hammer deems him worthy. So that so that's kind of, it's like kind of like kind of you know showing how far we've come, and yeah it is it is awesome, it is really awesome to witness it all, and uh, yeah uh, I do I do think you know like I said the time travel plot is a little convoluted, and there are some there are some holes mainly because it's a part of it is used to set up the Loki show. Because there's a bunch of uh, shows uh, that are being set up, namely the Loki show for Disney Plus, which is uh, Loki, and and you're wondering, well, did Loki come back? What's going on? Well, it turns out the setup is in this timeline. The one branch they forgot to clip was uh, Loki escaping in um, after the Battle of New York. So he is so in the attempt to steal the Tesseract after the Battle of New York, um, Loki gets his hands on it and disappears. And that's never, and I'm guessing those how how it affects the overall timeline is going to be answered in the show. But that's the setup that was the setup for the show, and apparently it didn't change too much. Because it doesn't mention any major changes in the in the plot, but I think that ba- that that branch was left untrimmed so that they could do the TV show. And uh, the other major setup is at the very end, Cap is the one who goes back in time and returns all the stones from where they found them. And when, it, along with Mjolnir, uh, and when he is expected to return to the present, he never returns, and then he. Sh- and then uh, it turns out he simply went back to 1945. I'm guessing uh, after he had after after and uh, basically altered the timeline by staying in the past as Captain America and living out the rest of his life. And the movie ends uh, with Cap, old man Cap. Really solid makeup and effects on uh, old man on Chris Evans for Old Man Cap, uh, passing on his shield to Sam Wilson. So Sam Wilson becomes our first legacy character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He becomes the new Captain America, like he did in the comics. So they did it, and that's tying into the new Disney Plus show, uh, Falcon and the Winter Sol- Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I'm guessing. Not once the movie, once enough time has passed for the movies, uh, for after this movie, and everyone's kind of caught on to what's going on, they will have changed it to Captain America and the Winter Soldier, because he will no longer be Falcon. So yeah, that's kind. Of, that was a great, and I think that's a great way to. I knew, I knew Chris Evans was out, uh, but 
it's really interesting to uh, have him be the first one to pass on a legacy character and give it to Sam Wilson. Uh, it, it it really and it was a really touching moment too. Uh, it, it it and 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 you know Anthony Mackie, he he wields the shield pretty well, so I'm interested to see how he does in the show. Uh, I think and it also was interesting. Uh, I come if you uh if you listen to uh my make a better movie for Iron Man three, I talked about how that should have been a point where they gave Pepper Potts. Uh, the rescue armor from the comics. But here is where they finally give it to her, and she finally has her own uh, rescue armor, and she fights alongside Tony, which is, eh, not as well-earned. I think it would have been better if they had included that in Iron Man 3, and then it came back for this movie. That would have been a, that would have been sweet. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, and then, of course, um, since we're five years in the future, we have Cassie Lang, uh, Scott's daughter who the actress was nine in um, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and that was uh, 2017. So she would have been 11, which means she's 16 in the context of this movie, if we're going by the actress's age. So teenage Cassie Lang is the perfect age where in the comics she becomes her own superhero. She becomes another pin particle user, um, I forget what the shrinking one is called. Let me pull that up. I know the one where she grows, she's called Stature. Let me see. What's the one where she shrinks? Stinger. So, um... When she shrinks, she goes by Stinger. When she grows, she goes by Stature, and uh, that's been a long-standing thing in the in the comics. And I'm interested to see if they uh, if they if they incorporate that into the MCU in the next Ant Man movies. What's this? Marvel Fairy Tales, three volumes of comic book limited series, and then the. Series of dad's fairy tales and folk tales from around the world using the analogs of famous Marvel superheroes in place of their major characters. Apparently, Cassie was in Alice in Wonderland. Hmm. Interesting. Avengers... I'll have to check that out. That, that sounds interesting. But, um... Yeah, it's... Uh, I'm interested to see how they... If they finally get the chance... Finally incorporate her as a superhero. Which is the other thing... That I'm concerned about with this. Considering that they jumped ahead... Uh, five years in the future. Does that mean... What, how, what does that mean for the rest of the timeline? Are they going to fill the gap with those other five years uh, with these new ones? Or is everything going to take place in this new five years ahead in the future timeline? I'm very curious how that's going to work. And um, 
they haven't really explained that part yet, but I'm sure Faggy has an idea of what he wants to do. Uh, the other thing is, they brought Gamora back, which I'm guessing is going to be further explained in uh, Guardians 3, but she is basically, in the comics, um, there was a point where Jean Grey is was killed, and then she was brought back by bringing the original 60s X-Men to the present, and Jean Grey stays in the present afterwards. And they essentially did that with Gamora. Gamora returns from 2014 and is basically reset because she had never met, um, in this, which, which is another thing that how does this affect the timeline? Because I don't, because she, because she's technically in the present, which means it affects how Guardian, how the original Guardians movies went. Oh, wait, no, no, it doesn't. Um, uh, because cause there's no reason for her to stay behind because Thanos never came to the future. Because they because even though as epic as that battle was, it technically never happened. Because they went and put the stones back, which means that everything happened the way it was supposed to, except for Loki got the Tesseract. That's the only branching change. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, so yes, so yeah, I guess he's just searching for if there's a way to find present day, um, Gamora. I'm not sure. I, I would assume that that's the case. I'm assuming that's what happened. Everything that, you know, cause they basically reset everything and everything went back to the way it was. It just, there was that blip where Thanos from the past came to the, came to the present. I'm not sure. I'm guessing that's what the idea was. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what they plan to do next. I know there's not going to be any a big cosmic threat like Thanos for a while. They're probably going to hold off on anything like that. And um, I know they what they have planned right now is Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel, Guardians, and Doctor Strange, all, you know, all those sequels coming up. Plus introductions to Shang Chi, the uh, kung, the master of kung fu, which is an interesting pull uh, to bring for the comics because I never heard of Shang Chi, but apparently, um, this, yeah, this is going to be the first uh, Asian-led superhero movie uh, from Hollywood, which is going to be interesting. Um, and hey, if it's going to be just a kung fu movie set in the Marvel universe, I'm down with that. Get some get get, get get like a director from Hong Kong in and do and do, and do some cool stuff. Uh, and then they have something called the Eternals planned, which is another thing I never heard of in the comics, but is apparently they're including the likes of Angelina Jolie and Kumail Nanjiani. So I have no idea about the Eternals. Uh, let me see. Eternals. Oh, the wiki has its own timeline. Oh, that's just when the movies come out. Alright, uh... Use the recurring release, reception, future. Here we go. Other projects... 
There's definitely an Ant-Man and the Wasp sequel. Uh, Michael Douglas wants to play younger Hank Pym in a prequel. That sounds interesting. Uh, they do are they are working on a script for a Blade film. Uh, string. There we go. Uh, with a focus on the character Cersei, Figgy stated the film based on the group as one of many many things. Put them on the slate. Chloe Zhao to direct. Um, fictional species of humanity appearing in the American comic book Marvel Comics, described as an offshoot of the evolutionary process that created the sentient life on Earth. Original instigators of the process, the aliens, the Celestials, intended the Eternals to be the defenders of Earth, which leads to the inevitability of war against the destructive counterparts, the Deviants. Jack Kirby creation, which is another interesting I turn I found out uh, through Twitter, uh, is that. Due to the way that Marvel Comics handled um, their creative team in the back in the day, the creators of these things, of these things like Jack Kirby, all the you know none of the all the people who created these iconic characters, none of them get, oh, they always get the credit, but none of them get any royalties because technically they're all owned by Marvel Comics because they were because the creators were technically contractors. So, fun fact there. Yeah, all this money that is made that should be going like that was the thing is that Guardians of the Galaxy made Rocket Raccoon a household name, and yet the creator was living in squalor up until the end of his days because of the way Marvel Comics did business. Anyway, um, so yeah, basically the Eternals are like proto humanity turned into superheroes by an alien race, and then uh, I know. They, they're talking about uh, Angelina Jolie to play Cersei. So, da, da, da. List of Eternals. Here we go. Where is she? Oh, that's right. Ty Thanos was an Eternal, so the mighty he might be actually included within the story. I forgot that. Uh, where is she? There, he is. there she is. Okay, so yes, Cersei, and then that's torn. Known as Eternal, Cersei's standard abilities of Earth's Eternals, though she has focused the majority of her power into transmutational abilities and passed it off as illusion or magic over the centuries. Psionic ability is to rearrange molecular structure of objects far greater than that of any other eternal. Only living fifth level adept at matter transmutation. She has the ability to alter molecular and atomic structures of all matter, including living organisms. Difficulty in rearranging subatomic matter. Intellect, superhuman strength. Levitate herself. Okay. And then, um... Yeah, it looks like, uh... I, th I believe I believe uh, that Cersei uh, that Angelina Jolie is supposed to be playing Cersei, and then uh, Icarus is supposed to be played by Kumail Nanjiani, um, and Icarus 
Total mental control over his physical form and bodily processes. Even when he is asleep or conscious, he is virtually immortal, immune to the disease and aging, and vulnerable to conventional forms of injury. Regeneration, cosmic energy, bolsters Icarus's metabolism so he does not tire from physical exertion. He can resist temperature extreme through mental concentration, levitate himself mentally, low-level psychic abilities, allows him to scan the superficial thoughts of any mind less adept than his own, mentally create illusions to disguise himself. So it'll be interesting to how, how they handle these Eternals, because I have no idea how they work in the comics. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with these characters on film. But yeah, that's kind of one of the bigger uh, projects coming out from them. Uh, I know they want to; they now have the Fantastic Four and the X Men, so they're going to have that coming in the coming in a bit, not not anytime soon. I know that's got to be anytime soon. The other big thing is that apparently Black Widow and Vision are perma dead in the present, so we have so apparently so. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen has said that Vision and um, Scarlet Witch shows can take place in the 50s somehow? Um, probably through time travel. Uh, and then the Black Widow movie is going to be a prequel, and then Scarlet Johansson is done. Which is understandable. And, and it's not like Black... I mean, there were plenty of other characters who carried uh, the mantle of the Black Widow, too, so they can always bring her, make her another legacy character. But it looks like the only legacy they have right now is Captain America. They haven't introduced uh, Riri Williams uh, for Iron Man. They haven't introduced, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, they have, yeah Thor is going to continue on uh, onward, it seems. Although I think Chris Hemsworth said he wanted to be done. So maybe they'll uh, send him off in Guardians 3. Because that's where he, he's essentially joining the Guardians of the Galaxy. While uh, Valkyrie... Uh, Tessa Thompson takes over uh, Dominion of As the remaining Asgardians, and um, so yeah, we'll see if Chris Hemsworth sticks around for Guardians Three or if they write write him out of it and that he's just officially done now. Um, I would hope that they do a send off for him in Guardians Three, and then that that and then afterwards he's done with that. But um, and then maybe they introduce Beta Ray Bill. And then he takes the role of Thor. That would be interesting. Get like Doug Jones in there, or um, you know, somebody to do uh, the physicality of it. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, and then of course, um, oh God, that was the other thing. There's this one kid who was behind. Um, who were they? Uh, Winter Soldier at. Tony's funeral. There's a kid there. Neatly uh, recognizable. A couple of them. Michelle Pfeiffer. <clears throat> Mr. Tomei. Da -da -da. First only appearance. It's an only appearance in Endgame in that scene. It helps the characters are grouped. Da -da -da. There's only one guy in the Marvel. Young man who looks to be in his late teens. He's standing apart from everyone else. The context doesn't help. He hasn't appeared in the rest of the Endgame or Infinity. Who the... Oh. Oh, that was Ty Simpkins. Oh, well, that was, that was a nice touch. They gave the kid from Iron Man 3 a chance to visit Tony's funeral. Well, that's a, that was sweet. I didn't recognize him. God, I didn't... Re God, is that the same actor? Yeah, six years ago. 
So yeah, that was Ty Simpkins, the actual Ty Simpkins reprising his role as the kid from Iron Man 3. Hated the kid, but I don't I have nothing against Ty Simpkins. Um That was a nice that was a nice touch. That was a really nice touch. So at least I know who that is now. Uh, that was the kid from Iron Man 3. That was a nice that really that really was a nice thing to allow him to come to the funeral and group him with all the superheroes. It was sweet. Um no wonder I didn't recognize. No wonder I didn't think of him because I never think of Iron Man three. Hate that movie. It's the only MCU movie I actively dislike. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think that's about everything. Oh, the other thing was interestingly enough, they wanted. Uh, I know Kevin Feige has expressed uh, interest in introducing Kamala Khan to the MCU, and now that we have Captain Marvel, we have an opportunity to include to to give uh, Kamala Khan a proper introduction using uh, Carol Danvers. So that'll be interesting. They may save that for Captain Amer Captain Marvel 2, or they may just do it all in uh, Kamala's own solo movie or show. It'll be interesting to see. They've got a lot of stuff planned on for Disney+, Plus, which I was already going to get because I wanted access to all the Disney archives. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'm interested to see the Marvel content they produce for the, for the platform as well. Uh, I think it's about everything I need to talk about. Um, yeah, uh, Valkyrie's leader of Asgard, and Thor joins the Guardians of the Galaxy. Sam Wilson is the legacy character. They set up, uh, Cap and the Winter Soldier and, uh, Loki shows for Disney+. Plus. They're somehow going to try and get a, the Scarlet Witch and v Vision show out of all of this. Um, Scarlett Johansson is going to be doing a Black Widow solo film, and then she's done. Uh, what? She may not be done. Because if they show that Gamora is alive, then there's a possibility of Scarlett Johansson returning as Black Widow. But we'll see about that. Um, may, may, Gamora may just be done. Gamora may be permanently dead. Uh, I just, yeah, you know, I just, it took me until now to realize that she's not misplaced in time and that, uh, that, uh, Star-Lord is more just hoping to find Gamora out there in the universe somewhere. Uh, maybe someplace where the people who are sacrificed for the Soul Stone go or something. Uh, they may also incorporate uh, Adam... Uh, what's his name? Crap, what's his name? At... He was in... Hold on. Crap. I can't remember... Why can't I remember his name? Guardians of the Galaxy, Adam. He's a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He was on the show. Adam Warlock. I think it was something like that. Adam Sorcery. Adam Warlock is um, going to be the main uh, character in uh, Guardians Volume 3. Uh, and he, I know he has a connection to the Soul Stone. Because he's also wielded the Infinity Gauntlet. So he may be the connection to bring back Gamora... And they may throw in a scene in, of uh, Black Widow there, but she doesn't want to come back. Uh, so that may be it uh, for Guardians 3. That may be how they bring Gamora back. Because I think they're going to try and bring her back. Because they know that Zoe Saldana was interested in returning. Whereas Scarlett Johansson is ready to pass the torch on. Um, so yeah, I think that's... Uh, that's what we got in store for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't. I didn't want to spoil too much um, 
for the second part. But yeah, uh, we're going to uh, I'm for the discussion point. I'm not. I'm going to avoid too many spoilers. Of course, we've also got Spider Man coming out uh, for Independence Day. Um, but I'm going to talk about that in the discussion point where we're talking how the Hollywood hype machine spoiled Endgame. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Melody. I'm Max. I'm Dexter. I'm Diana. And I'm John. And together, we host the book review and discussion podcast, Living in the Stacks. Every two weeks, we take the time to read a book and then meet online to discuss it. We'll talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and if we'd read the book again. Whatever the genre, whoever the author, whether it's good or bad, we'll read anything once. So if you want to join us, you can find us, Living in the Stacks, available through Gumby Cat Networks. be real for a second uh hollywood hype essentially spoiled a good chunk of endgame not specific spoilers but out certain outcomes uh namely that we knew that uh robert Downey jr and chris evans were leaving we knew that uh loki was getting a show we knew that spider-man was going to survive in some capacity as well as nick fury because they'll be in uh a movie later this summer. We know that Scarlet Witch and Vision have a show coming up. You know, cert- by promoting future projects instead of waiting to announce them until the Avengers Endgame came out, they essentially spoiled what that you know, you know, certain outcomes from Endgame. And I think what it comes down to is late-stage capitalism and Disney needing to constantly pump out new content and build up their next thing has essentially ruined, you know, any sort of suspense. I mean, not entirely, not... It, it never spoiled certain specifics of the movie, but it definitely undercut it. It definitely... Whereas Infinity War, you weren't sure who was going to make it out or not. Endgame, you knew certain people were going, were leaving, or that you knew certain people were, um, were, you know, certain people were coming back for stuff. And it's not just Disney's fault. It's the me- It's the entertainment media as itself. Because, once again, the constant need to have new uh, stories, new, you know, cl- something for people to click on and, and see, in order to constantly get more and more um you know get once again to continually perpetuate the machine that is that is late stage capitalism hollywood they they're undercutting any sort of suspense and and you know hype in or in 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 the you know in order to gain hype for the next thing instead of just letting the first thing come to pass so not only do we have to hype up Endgame coming up, but then we just have to undercut that by making sure we also hype up, oh, these new shows on Disney+. Plus. Oh, here's the new Spider-Man movie. Oh, here's these other things coming up. 
You know, oh, we talked to Chris Evans and what his projects are after leaving the MCU. You know, it always has to be the next thing. And that essentially ruins any sort of real suspense. And it just makes, uh, it just undercuts the impact that the first movie would have. You know, and I think that's, you know, not only is it a problem with Disney itself wanting to put out that information but the reason they're putting it out is because the media around Hollywood is always about the next thing. You can never just be happy in the present. You always have to be selling stuff to your shareholders. That's essentially what it is. Uh, Jim Sterling talks about this with video games and how even though games will make millions of dollars, they're underperforming based on expectations. So all of this hype is more for the shareholders to invest in them than it is for the audiences to get interested. Because ultimately what they're doing is distancing themselves from their audience by always having to push the next big thing before the first big thing ever even comes out. And I think I think that's the biggest problem with all of the with late stage capitalism is you can never just be happy with what you have for the time. You always have to get the next thing. And it always, ha- it always has to be bigger and better. Because if it doesn't perform as well as the last big thing, then you have failed. And it really is just a, te- a testament to just how backwards late stage capitalism has made us. Where we're so held, where studios and companies are so hell bent on pushing few- what's coming up, what's coming up, what's coming up, what's coming up, that. Note that everyone just gets tired of it all. And I know specifically that I was less interested in the outcome of Endgame so much just because I I already had that meta-knowledge of what's coming afterwards. And I feel like if I had no knowledge, if I had no understanding of what's to come, if they had never announced Spider-Man Homecoming, if they had never said, oh, Spider-Man... Far From Home, if they had never announced Spider-Man Far From Home, if they had never announced uh, the Disney Plus shows, if they didn't announce anything until like a week after Endgame came out, then I think it would have had more impact. But because they always have to be pushing the next thing because our shareholders have to let it, you know, they have to know that we're working on bigger and better things. We're always looking for growth and growth is not there's an end to growth growth has will end after a certain point just because that's how growth works reach a point where you can no longer grow and you stop growing but because of the way late stage capitalism has set the system up if you stop growing you automatically fail and you are then consumed to become part of the neck of some of a bigger entity because you can never just be happy with where you're at you always have to have more There has to always be more. People must always be consuming. And it's essentially ruining the way we enjoy movies now. And I think it's just kind of making people grow tired of it all. And I mean, there's a reason people aren't as hype. They are starting to lose that hype because they keep telling us to keep being hyped. And you can only sustain hype for so long before you just tell people, stop trying to hype me up. I can't, I don't have any more hype to give. You already hyped me out. But try explaining that to people whose sole interest is not 
creative creativity is not genuine passion for movies it's money when all they care about is making sure they have your money then there's nothing then then it doesn't matter what sacrifices they make in terms of quality and you know creativity it's just a matter of we need to know that we have your money because money is just it's the only thing that fuels this monstrosity we've created for ourselves. And and part of me wonders, would people be more hype about Spider-Man and all these new Disney Plus shows if they had no knowledge of them going into Endgame? If they didn't know that these were coming from Endgame, you know, there's just no time to breathe. And... I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe all of this stuff, all of this overhyping, has actually made people disappointed in Endgame because I'm seeing a lot more mixed reviews on it than I that I am seeing the overwhelm that are um, splattered amongst the uh, sprinkled amongst the overwhelming positive reviews, and I think it may be because Disney and the media and the news media around uh, the movie all the all the publicity stuff overhyped it for people and they didn't get what they wanted so you know it, it not only should have, I, I feel like disney should just keep some things closer to the vest and then only announce them at certain points to further the hype but because the media the entertainment media is always trying to find the next big thing to hype about it never ends it just never ends it's always trying, to, and no matter how long they claw and scratch to try and keep ahead of each other, it all just tires you out. It's part of the reason I don't cover entertainment news on this podcast, because there's just only so much I can talk about, because they always have to be pushing new things. We have to find the next big scoop, the next, the next this, the next this, the next this, and you just can't. Sometimes you just can't anymore. So as much as I... I'm interested to see where the MCU goes from here. I need some breathing room, damn it. I need some time to breathe. And you and latest age capitalism can't let you breathe because then you're not spending money. And it just all and it just really is a testament to how pursuing this endless need to constantly have a revenue stream is only is only tires people out and it's why people lose the hype. They, there's only so hype, so much hype you can have before you're just tired out. And studios apparently are monstrosities who can ne- fueled by cocaine and money who can never tire. They're always hype. They can never stop being hype. They never tire. There must always be new hype. And I'm just tired of it all. You know, the hype machine. As essentially ruin, essentially ultimately ruins your love of movies because you can never just be hyped for something that you like. Now you always have to be hyped for the thing after the after the thing you like comes out. You can never just be in the moment and enjoy things because you always have to be thinking of what's next. And that's that's ultimately a problem of late stage capitalism. Not to be too, you know, <laughs> much of a you know, Pinko Kamiya over here, but, uh, you know, considering that I, I, I'm a, a devotee, a chungus of Mr. of the one Jim Sterling, uh, thank God for him, 
Uh, he is very open about how this level of thing is ruining the games industry, and it can just as easily be applied to the film industry. And it, because it's ultimately not a problem. It's a, it's not a thing that just happens to, you know, movies and video games. It's, it's the, it's just the system as a whole is the problem, and nobody's doing anything to stop the system from destroying us because people at the top of the system are make are raking in record profits and then they expect us to suffer because of it because at least they made theirs and it's a part of the reason why i uh, oppose objectivism because selfishness is never good you don't have to be completely altruistic but full-on selfishness only leads to other people's ruin you have to be at least aware of other people and be and be knowledgeable of how your actions affect others. That's why objectivism, objective, objectivism has failed us so uh, so so harshly. It's because it's basically given credence to selfishness and allowed for people to act on their most selfish impulses because it, hey, that's what's best. What's best for me is what's best for everybody, and that's not how things work. You know, there are consequences to actions and you need to be aware of those consequences and objectivism ignores the consequences because you got yours. Screw you, I got mine. But yeah, the pro- so yeah, the problem ultimately lies in our the way our the way our economy is set up and the way that it always has to be this way. But unfortunately and unfortunately I don't see a way to change it. I don't see a way to change it because you can't affect their bottom line. Because even if the money's not coming from America, it's coming from somewhere who's not tired yet. China, uh, Europe, it could be Africa in the future. Who knows? Wherever the wherever the money is, as long as that, as long as they don't get tired of it, there's nothing we can do to stop it. So, <sighs> yeah, I, I think I need some time to stop thinking about the MCU, just because I need a break. <laughs> Uh, there won't be any breaking from this podcast, though, so the show must go on. And with that in mind, let's take a look at the box office report to see just how well Endgame did. And now the popcorn junkie checks in with this week's box office report. Like I mentioned, we only had the one new release, so a lot of the top seven has remained relatively unchanged. The only thing that dropped out was Pet Cemetery, And uh, so right now, the current top seven is Dumbo, which brought in $3.2 million. Uh, it's also going to be a wide discrepancy in the numbers as we get closer to number one. But yeah, with the $3 million from this weekend, Dumbo's domestic grosses reached $107 million, and the foreign gro- and combined with the foreign gross, its worldwide gross so far is $327 million. Not gangbusters, but I didn't think it would be, just because Dumbo's a lesser Disney property, ultimately. It doesn't really bring in the numbers that it used to. Also, apparently for the Disney+, Plus, they're cutting out the, uh, the crows, the jive-talking crows from the animated version. Which makes me wonder how he learns to fly, because as much as uh, the crows are kind of offensive, the crows are integral to the plot of Dumbo. They teach him to fly. So how are they going to work that in, I wonder? Anyway, uh, next up, uh, number, number six this weekend 
was Little, which brought in $3.4 million, uh, bringing its domestic gross up to $35.8 million, and its worldwide gross up to $42 million. So, made back its money. It's it, it broke even. And that's all it really needs to do. So, good for it. Uh, number five was last week's number two, Shazam, dropped all the way down to number five uh, to $5.5 million, which brought its domestic gross up to $131 million, and its worldwide gross was to $346 million. Once again, a solid success, not gangbusters, but hey, that's any sign of improvement from DC is good. Uh, number four is Breakthrough, which brought in $6.3 million this weekend, bringing its domestic gross up to $26 million, and its worldwide gross up to $33 million. I think that's well even, well, I think that's breaking even as well, so eh, you know, that's to be expected. I think it saw a rise because this is also a Orthodox Easter weekend. So maybe families were trying to, um, it actually gained in theater count, but lost in views. So, uh, but it, but interestingly enough, more people went to see Breakthrough than Shazam. So I guess people were, are, uh, getting, are, um, are done with, uh, Shazam for the time being. Uh, number three was last week's number one, Curse of La Llorona, dropped down uh, to $7.5 million this weekend, bringing its, making its domestic gross $41.2 million and its worldwide gross $86.9 on a $9 million budget. Runaway success. These cheap horror, mo- cheap horror movies always are. Uh, jumping up from number four, uh, n- you not surprisingly, to number two was Captain Marvel, which brought in $8 million this weekend bringing its domestic gross up to $413.5 million, and its worldwide gross, $1.1 billion. Congratulations, Captain Marvel. You did a good. And then, of course, premiering at number one with $350 million domestically is Avengers Endgame. And combined with the foreign market opening weekend, opening weekend of $1.2 billion. There really is, I doubt... I can't imagine MCU seeing another success like this. It made its first billion in its first weekend. There's no way they can top this. I mean, there is absolutely no way they can top this. This is truly the culmination. So they're just going to have to hold on to that money for the time being. And, you know, in case, uh, not that the MCU is going to stop being successful, but there's just no way they can top this. There's absolutely no way they can beat this n- number. I, I don't think this is, there's ever been a movie to make a billion dollars its opening weekend. This, is the, this has to be the highest grossing movie of all time. Here. Let me see. Da-da-da, da-da-da. Looking ahead. Da-da-da. Uh, broke records from The Force Awakens. Widest opening uh, ever. Largest Friday opening compared to The Force Awakens. Largest Saturday compared to Infinity War. Largest Sunday compared to Infinity War. Domestic opening beat Infinity War. Um, Number one market share beat Ultron. Highest theater average. Largest April, spring, PG-13 and three-day gross opening. Uh, Biggest weekend overall. Uh, fastest to $100 million a day beat the Star Wars, uh, tied with Star Wars The Force Awakens. Re- fastest to $150 million beat Infinity War. Fastest to $200 million beat Infinity War. Fastest to three, $250 million beat Infinity War. Fastest to $300 million beat The Force Awakens. 
Fastest 350 beat The Force Awakens. International opening weekend beat The Fate of the Furious. And fastest and worldwide opening weekend 1.2 billion beat out Infinity War, whose who, whose record was 640 million. This this decimated all box office records, and there is no way any I can't imagine absolutely anything topping Endgame. This is going to be the record holder for possibly uh, until possibly m- the end of my generation there's i can't imagine anything else topping endgame in terms of like just fast all these records that it broke it just broke so many records so yeah uh abs- absolutely insane numbers from endgame which is to be expected but now we so we'll be interested to see how, what the stayover is for next weekend and now that we're done looking at the week that was, let's take a look at the week ahead in Trailer Talk. Coming this summer. It's Trailer Talk. Rated R starts Friday. We've got three major releases coming up this weekend. Uh, there's a fourth one that I'm not seeing a lot of uh, buzz for. Like, I'm not able to get tickets for it or anything. Uh, but the first one uh, is diametrically opposite to Endgame. We've got a rom-com uh, starring Charlize Theron. It's a political rom-com starring Charlize Theron and uh, Seth Rogen. And... Uh, yeah, uh, it's been getting some critical praise. That's what the trailers have all been showing. So let's take a look at the trailer for Longshot. Secretary of State Charlotte Field of the United States of America. So are you like dating the Prime Minister of Canada? No. No. No, it's weird. I know this great little place not too far from here. Ooh. It's called Mini Bar. And it's in my room. Uh, you asked. Oh, God, he has no game. I up with my fair share of world leaders, too. There was 69 Fidel Castro once. You thought his beard was big. Oh, God. <laughs> so how does that work with you? Do you, like, date? Guys don't really want to date women who are more powerful than them. It's a Dick Shriveler. Dick Shriveler is my favorite Batman villain, though. <laughs> so you can ask why I'm still single? I know, I get it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> they really do have good chemistry. Breathe. Four seconds in. The chemistry between Theron and Rogan is instantly captivating. Yet they're they're including all of these critical quotes. An absolute must see. Would destroy your entire career. It's pretty woman, but she's Richard Gere and you're Julia Roberts. You got destiny on your side. Oh, I feel so scared. June Diane Raphael. I'm gonna try to conduct myself in such a way that does not risk global humiliation. She bought me this. It's a traditional Swedish suit. I don't see another Swede dressed like this. Calm the Smurf down. Bring a suit next time. <laughs> Comedic revelation. Yeah. Yeah, Charlize Theron is great. With me right now. Am I being too bossy? No, no. We'll do exactly what you were imagining, and then you turn me around, slap me on my ass, and then choke me a little bit. <laughs> God. Yeah, Charlize Theron is just a wonder. She's a wonderful actress. I I love her. She's. I, I've yet to see her give a terrible performance and see her and she could just as easily play off drama as well as comedy. She has great comedic timing. 
So I'm interested to see this. I think this will be my pick of the week for uh, this coming week, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 very excited for that one. Uh, next up, the one that got me in trouble with the creator of the concept itself, Ugly Dolls. Yes, that's right. I got into Twitter beef for asking why the Ugly Dolls gets a movie, having never heard of them before. <laughs> uh, so. Sorry, dude. Your movie looks like it's the movie based on your toy. It looks like it sucks. So let's take a look at the trailer for Ugly Dolls. Get ready for the biggest musical comedy of doll time. Welcome to the Institute of Perfection. Remember, only pretty dolls will meet their perfect human match. You're an engineer slash model. You're a boy doll slash model. You're not a model. Data does not get On May 3rd. I think your little band of sock puppets stands a chance here. It's probably better if you just go back where you belong. Are we really not good enough for the big world? I don't know, Pitbull. Is that the best line read you could give? Featuring original music. Hard pass. Ew, ew, ew. Another swing, another miss. Performed by Kelly Clarkson, Pitbull, jo Nick Jonas, Janelle Monet. Isn't that right, gibberish cat? Nothing is gonna stop us now. We have to save him. Leave him. He's a lost cause. He's gone forever. I'm over here. There's nothing we could have done. Ugly dolls. You do know that Lou is gonna make it super hard for you. Well, I say bring it on, Louis. Oh my doll. Perfection can stuff it. God. Uh, everything about this sounds like it's trying way too hard. Like the use of oh my doll instead of oh my so what are dolls the equivalent of God now? I thought they already had gods. They're the creators or whatnot. Uh this movie makes no sense. It's just trying so so hard. And the fact that they hired uh singers instead of actors. Like the only singer singers they hired with any acting experience are Janelle Monet, uh Nick Jonas and Kelly Clarkson, and only one of those has ever been any good in an acting in an acting capacity, and that's Janelle Monet. And unfortunately, it feels like they completely wasted her to do like reaction shots and whatnot. At least based on this trailer, this also could just be really terrible marketing. They could just be the absolute terrible people who have no idea how to market good movies. But we'll see. We'll see when that comes out this weekend. And then finally, we've got. Uh, something I thought was supposed to come out uh, for April, but it was moved to May, The Intruder. Let's take a look at that final trailer. You really want this place, don't you? I do. Welcome to Fox Club. I'm Charlie Peck. This view is beautiful. It's the only house I ever lived in. Nice looking family. We always had a lot of love here. This house is yours now. We'll take good care of her. I'm gonna hold you to that. Have a good time in Florida, buddy. You're not gonna believe this. Charlie is outside cutting the grass. What? Did you just get this out of the garage? That's right, keep it. Oh god, he's so creepy! Scott. Hello! Hey, stop drilling holes in my house! It's not your house. Charlie's quite a guy. On Nathan. You think that's blood? 
God, he's got the Joker smile! A white knuckle thrill ride. This guy is dangerous. Edge of your seat fun. Intensely gripping buckle up. The intruder. The intruder. PG-13. Ah, that's that looks even better. Like I thought it was gonna take try to take itself too seriously from the first trailer. No, this looks like it's just gonna be ma absolute madness. I'm down for that. So yeah, the Joker smile. Oh, that's so perfect. He has the perfect Joker smile. Dennis Quaid as the next Joker. Uh, I, I would absolutely watch that. So. Uh, yeah, that's going to be coming up this weekend, and uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend following an endgame. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see uh, what what all's worth seeing uh, besides endgame in theaters next weekend. Um, oh, God, the thumbnail. The thumbnail for this looks like he's doing that face where he holds his lips and he, blow, and he puffs up his cheeks like... Mm. You can't see it, but like... Well, yeah, hold your lips together and puff up your cheeks and kind of like cross your eyes. That's what he, that's what Dennis Quaid is doing in the thumbnail for The Intruder. Oh, God, it's beautiful. Anyway, uh, that about does it for this week, which means it is time for the plugs. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us on our homepage at GumbyCatNetworks.com. And if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out, you can do so by uh, favoriting the page on your browser and whitelisting us on your ad blocker. And, uh, and once you're done with me, check out all the other fine programming we've got here. We've got uh, Maji Day is still going. Um, uh, Mike and I are going to try and reconvene on that pretty soon. Uh, Living in the Stacks uh, came out a couple of weeks ago, our, our April episode on... Um, the Bone Setter's Daughter by Amy Tan. Uh, Donna over at the Snarkast with uh, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, Once More with Feeling, uh, The Family Business. Check out all of that. I mean, the ending of uh, Supernatural is coming. The last season is coming up, so be sure to catch up on the on the show with The Family Business. And then uh, if you are yourself our podcaster and you want to join our lovely little network and help it, uh, help it grow, you can send all your inquiries to gumbycatnetworks at gmail.com, and we'll get back to you and see if you're a good fit for us. Uh, if you're listening to us on your mobile device, uh, you can find us on v on your various, um, podcasting providers. Uh, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Um, and then, uh, you can also, uh, and so when, wherever you're listening to us, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Let people know that you like the show and that they should check it out as well. If you want to support the show personally, you can do so, uh, using the Pinecast, uh, donation feature. We have a tip jar set up through Pinecast. That's come on. Here we go. Um, it is, I believe, tipjar.pinecast.com. Go back to Popcorn Junkie. Tips.pinecast.com slash jar slash popcorn dash junkie. Uh, it's a bit long. I'm gonna share it on the social media stuff. Uh, but if you would rather, uh, but if you want to share, uh, you want to support the show through Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash popcorn junkie. And there you'll also get access to the archive of make a better movie and much long episodes. And, uh, so yeah, if, whether it's just a dollar per month on Patreon or just a couple of donations in the tip jar, any support is, is, is appreciated. And, uh, I'm hoping to get you access on uh, Pinecast later this week uh, to get get all the stuff that's Patreon exclusive over to Pinecast, uh, and that way you can also gain access to it there. Uh, 
And then, of course, if you want to help uh, fund future shows, maybe do retrospectives so that it's easier to make that like a patron exclusive thing. But just yeah, whatever you can donate is will help. will help that out. Uh, and then if you want to share, and then if you want to follow the show on social media, we're at facebook.com slash popcorn junkie on Twitter at po- at corn junkie pod on Instagram at popcorn junkie podcast. And if you've been following me on stardust in the stardust app at popcorn junkie, I've been doing the retrospectives over there. I'm uh, up to, uh, by the time this comes out, I'll be up to, uh, RKS and the jewel of life for the pokeathlon, uh, in the lead of the detective Pikachu and and Godzilla uh, for Hail to the King, I'll be up to uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster. So we're just getting started on Godzilla. We're hap- we're about halfway through Pokemon, and and uh, you can and so you can follow me there and you know share share the show on your various social media platforms as well. Uh, and if there's anything you want to say uh, to me, any kind of feedback you want to give, any kind of your thoughts on Endgame and the future of the MCU, and how far off am I about the whole hype machine ruining the sh- ruining the movie? Uh, you know how you know your thoughts on that. Send all that to popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. And if you leave a if you leave something in either the subject line or in the message that you give me explicit permission to read this out in the episode, I will I will. I will oblige, and otherwise I'll just paraphrase. So send all that to popcornjunkypodcast at gmail.com. That does it for this week's episode. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and it's the end of an era, folks. There probably won't be anything like this again in our lifetime, so let's enjoy it. theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork. Mm-hmm.